Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you like it was to us. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Anyways, I'm reading tonight out of Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. I'm also going to be going to the book of Hebrews afterwards. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. The Bible says in Judges chapter 16, starting in verse 28, and going all the way through 30. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord, God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this one time. O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines, Lord. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's, that is the Philistines, and, and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death at this time were more than he killed in his whole entire life. Now go over to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, starting with the 32nd verse and going through 34. The Bible says, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Go before God in prayer. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity. God, we thank you, Lord, for your holy word. We thank you, God, for this group of young people that are gathered in this place tonight. Lord, we are here to worship you. We are here to seek you. We are here to grow in you. We are here to be challenged and convicted and inspired to live for you, God, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. God, we thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost that we felt and the anointing that flowed, Lord, from this worship team tonight. Lord, while we lifted up our hands and lifted up our hearts, God, I pray, Lord, that this Holy Ghost would be upon me tonight as I preach. Lord, that the anointing would also continue to flow through the preaching and all the way to the altar call, God. Lord, if there be a backslidden person, if there be a lost person in this house tonight, God, I pray, Lord, that they would be drawn to an altar of repentance, God, and surrender their life, surrender their will to you, Lord, that they might live with you forever, God. God, we give all the praise and glory and honor to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So this, 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 this book of Judges, obviously it is in the Old Testament, and... And, and, and other than, than people like Samson, who we'll be talking about tonight, and people like um, Deborah, maybe Gideon, all of the other judges that are mentioned in this book, maybe a lot of you are very, very, very unfamiliar with. Judges in and of itself, it's, it's, it's a violent read. It's a hard read. There's things that, that in that book that you don't read about in other parts of the Bible. But it's a very, very important book because it's one of the most... Darkest times in the whole entire Bible, really, in all of history. And this book, by and large, deals with God's faithfulness to his people. And in turn, on the contrary, their apostasy 
and their idolatry. And so when Joshua and his generation moved into the promised land and they had taken villages and they had taken cities and each tribe was given their own individual territory. The Bible says that there arose a generation after Joshua that did not know the Lord. They did not seek the Lord. They did not worship the Lord. And because Joshua's generation had failed to drive out the enemies that had already inhabited the land before they ever even got there, the Bible says the Lord left those nations there to test them, to oppose them. And the Israelites faced adversity in battling these neighboring and surrounding nations. And this word test that the Bible uses, it's similar to um, how God tested Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. When God asked of Abraham, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your, your only son Isaac, the son I've, I've, I've given you in old age. I want you to sacrifice him. And God tested Abraham. Abraham passed that test. And you have to understand, listen, when, when God tests Abraham or God tests the people of Israel or if God tests a king or a prophet or anybody, always remember that to whom much is given, there will also be much required. And if you want a lot, a lot of God, there is going to be test, there is going to be opposition, and there is going to be adversity. But make no mistake about it. God does never test anybody, nor use opposition against them, hoping that they're going to fail, hoping that they're going to fall flat on their face, hoping that they're going to sin, hoping that they're going to miss the mark. When God tests you, it's because he wants his name to receive glory. It's because he wants his name to receive honor. It's because he wants you to realize who you're serving. He wants you to realize who you trust in, who you cling to, who you run to. He tests you so that you can receive a testimony. And God tested the Israelites, and they failed. And we all go through seasons of testing and times of testing, times of opposition. Whenever I was down at college... It was, it, was, it was very trying and it was very hard because I didn't, very, I didn't have very many friends. And I complained sometimes to the people back home because I really did. I felt lonely. And in times like that, sometimes you can, you can, you can and the devil will lie to you and tell you that, 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 that at all costs, just go make yourself some friends. Go find yourself a friend group. Go find yourself people to hang out with. Go find yourself some people to be around. Go find, go, go find a hangout. Go find some people. If you have to cuss a little, it's fine. If you have to talk dirty, it's fine. If you have to be like them, it's fine. If you have to hide who you are, it's fine. If you have to change who you are, it's fine. But that's not how it's meant to be. God meant that when you were tested, God meant that when you were tempted, that you say no to the world, that you say no to sin, that you say no to garbage, that you say no to filth. I don't want it. I want Jesus. I want my relationship with him. I want the blessings he has for me. I want the life he has for me. And so the Israelites were tested and they failed. And so the Bible says that God would deliver them into the hands of their enemies, into plunderers, into raiders, into people that would, 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 would do exactly what the enemy does, and he steals and he kills and destroys. And so the people would, 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 would go out and they would, would collaborate with the surrounding nations and they would participate in, in, in idolatry. They would participate in paganism. They would participate in heathenistic activities. They would participate in all types of ungodly, unlawful, unruly acts. 
and they would come home and they would come back to their villages and they would come back to their cities and everything would be gone everything that was valuable to them it would be gone their children would be gone. Their children would be murdered. Their family would be murdered. And that's exactly what the enemy does. Whenever the enemy offers you something, notice that the enemy never gives you something. He always offers you something because in turn he's going to take something. And he never shows you what he's going to take. But you have to remember and you have to understand that the enemy gives you does not compare what God gives you and what the enemy will take be the most valuable things in your life it will be your purity it will be your righteousness it will be your salvation it will be your hope it will be your future it will be God's goodness and mercy I think often these are our, our generation and they go off to college and, and 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 they live off the chain and unhinged and crazy for four years I remember um, I was there's a man in the church that that worked for the UC medical department and and whenever uh, people would, would move into University of Cincinnati and he said every single night people are coming in and because they're, they're, they're suffering from, from the effects of STDs and, 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 and they're getting in trouble all the time for DUIs and, 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 and drugs are in their, 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 their bloodstream 24-7 around the clock all the time. They're living like they want to, doing what they want to. They have no supervision. They have no rules. They have no morals. They're doing what they want to. They're having fun. And at the end of the four years, whenever they get out of college, their, their heart is empty and their mind is crazy. They're addicted to sex. They're addicted to drugs. They're addicted to alcohol. But they don't want to be that way. And, and what a lot of people don't admit you, or a lot of people in the world don't want to admit, is that they don't want the alcohol and they don't want the drugs and they don't want the sex. It makes them feel lonely. It makes them feel like garbage. It makes them feel like trash. Deep down, whether you want to admit it or not, at some point in your life, you're going to want a family. You're going to want a home and you're going to want a husband. You're going to want a wife. You're going to want somebody that loves you, somebody that takes care of you. Listen, get it in your mind now and never forget it. God wants you to have a good life. He wants you to have a good husband. He wants you to have a good wife. He wants somebody that'll love you take care of you he wants you to have children that'll fear and praise the Lord just as you do and don't give that up for alcohol and don't give that up for people who don't care about you don't give that up and so when the when when, when God would deliver them into these 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 enemies these neighboring enemies turmoil would ensue and and so God would have to raise up judges and Samson is one of them and 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 these judges, uh, all in all, they, they, they provide a glimpse of, of what Jesus does. He, they, they come in and they, they, they redirect and they kind of realign and they give some new inspiration and some new direction. They bring, a, they bring revival, in a sense, to the people. And so God would raise up one judge and they would, the Bible says that they would judge Israel for however many years. It would be two, three, four, five decades at a time or something like that. But when they would die... They, the, the Israelites would go right back into folly. They would go right back into sin. They would go right back into unrighteousness. And so God in his mercy and his grace and his love, and because he wanted to be faithful to his promises, he would raise up another person. And they would judge Israel. And they would fight for Israel. And they would help Israel. And then they would die. And then he would raise up another one. And that cycle just kind of ensues over and over and over and over again all throughout the book. But even if you go past the book of Judges, go past uh, 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 the book of Kings, the book of Samuel, all throughout the Bible, all the way down through the, the early church and Jesus and all the way down to us. Listen, God always has leaders that he raises up that bring revival. 
and bring redirection and bring realignment and bring inspiration to the church. And now it comes down to us. And there is a great opportunity for a lot of you guys. And not everybody in this room is going to take God up on that offer and take God up on that opportunity. But listen, there is something divine resting on each and every one of you guys that has the capability to fill many people with the Holy Ghost, save many people from sin, save many people from darkness. Whether you realize it or not, each and every one of us can get enough of God in and of ourselves to bring revival to, 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 to dozens of people at a time. Do not underestimate yourself. God can bring revival through you. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to take God up on his offer. I'm going to get a little bit more serious. I'm going to get a little bit more focused. I'm going to spend a little bit less time on my phone. I'm going to get a little bit more fervent in prayer, consistent in my reading, consistent in God. I'm not going to worry about how many friends I have, how much money I have. I'm going to be concerned about, God, what can I do for you? God, how can I serve you? God, how can I help your people? God, how can I serve you? Has anybody ever wondered that before? Anybody ever thought to yourself, I've thought many times, God, what can I do for you? God, what can I do for you? Raise your hand if that's ever come across your mind. Come on, guys. It's a great thought to have. God, what can I do for you? And sometimes you, you, it's, it's so easy to, to overcomplicate things. And, and, of course, the, the first thought that ever came to me is, God, I'm going to preach. God, I'm going to preach. God, I'm going to stand behind pulpits and I'm going to preach. God, I want to be a pastor. God, I want to evangelize. God, I want to be a powerhouse for you. <clears throat> but listen, if, if, you want to, if you want to generalize it and put us all on one playing field, all we are, all together, all we are is witnesses. When Jesus commissioned, commissioned his disciples, he said, you guys are going to be witnesses. So there is no doing your own thing. There is no being your own person. There is no having your own ministry. I heard a, a man the other day, he said, he was complaining because he felt like he was going to lose his ministry. He felt like his ministry was going to fall. He felt like his ministry was going to crumble. And listen, it, it, his might, his very well might fall. But the ministry that we're supposed to be involved in is not going to crumble. It's not going to fall. It's not going to go to pieces because the ministry we're in is the kingdom of God. And when I read the Bible, I find out that the kingdom of God is going to reign forever. That Jesus Christ is going to rule forever. And that's a a huge dilemma in the church today. You got a bunch of people trying to do their own things. That's why that 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 worship band just kind of got in trouble. And they've got good lyrics and they've got good songs and they've got good talent. But what you look at a group like that and they try and bring new melodies and they bring new lyrics and they bring new styles and new collaborations and new people up on the stage and they wear new clothes and they do all types of new gyrations and dance moves. But you just don't just start your own thing, grab a bunch of people, just start your own thing and just kind of do whatever you want and hope that, that God will hop on board with it. God does not hop on board with what you're doing. You hop on board with what God's doing. And so you ask, what in the world is God doing? God's doing the same thing now that he's been doing for 6,000 years. He's trying to restore fellowship with his children. He's trying to restore fellowship with his people. He's trying to let his people know that he saves, he delivers, he heals, he baptizes in the Holy Ghost. So what can you say? You can witness and say, God saves, delivers, baptizes in the Holy Ghost. All we are is witnesses. All we are is witnesses of what God can do. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> and so, let's see here. We're looking at Samson tonight. 
And Samson, every Sunday school people knows about Samson. And to a little boy, I wanted to be just like him. Because when you're a little boy, you, you want to be the strongest. And so Samson, Samson always fascinated me. It was always something to me. And Samson, it, it, it's, it's important. It's, first of all, it's very important to remember that Hebrews, what, what we read in Hebrews, Hebrews list, list him as, as a hero of the faith. Because God brought restoration to him. And we're going to talk about that later. But, 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 but sometimes people might preach on Samson and, and you get this idea in your head. And it, it, it was questionable at times whether or not Samson was actually righteous. But, but, but God, God brought salvation. God brought deliverance to his life. And he is a hero of the faith. <clears throat> so God raised up Samson to, 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 to bring deliverance to the Philistines. And... God was going to give and equip Samson with supernatural spiritual strength. And the Bible says that by, by, the, hun- by the hundreds and sometimes by the thousands, Samson would slay the Philistines all by himself, all by himself. No, no help, no problem literally whatsoever. When the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him, he would slay the, he would slay the Philistines by the thousands. And so one would look at Samson at that time, and, you, and, and if, if you want to compare him to someone today, just think of it like this. Samson at that time, he was just exactly what the people of God needed. He was a deliverer. And so think in, in terms of today and what the people of God need. The people of God need somebody full of the Holy Ghost. They need somebody humble, and they need somebody... Uh, Righteous, a man of God, a woman of God, somebody powerful, somebody led by the Spirit, somebody operating in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Somebody that walks by and and people are in awe of how God's using them. People are in in awe of of what God is doing through them. That is the equivalent of who Samson was. And one would look at Samson and they would take into consideration his, his height, his looks, how he carries himself, the battles that he's won, the people that he's defeated the odds that he's overcame, and they would look at somebody like Samson, and they would think to themselves, and not everybody liked Samson, but, but, no, but nobody could question how, 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 how strong Samson was, how strong he was. And you would look at Samson, and you would say, I, I could not see him being defeated. I could not see him being taken down. I could not see him being anything less than what he already is, the powerful, strong man that he already is. And in the church today, listen, we always keenly observe, you know, how, how people carry themselves and what they wear and how they worship and, and, and how often they're here, where they sit, who they talk to, what they do, what they post on social media, this, that, and the other. And when we keenly observe things like that, without really knowing it and realizing it, it's so easy for us to, 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 to make lofty predictions on, on, on who we think is strong and who we think is weak, who we think is, who we think's got it and who we think does not, who we think is, is going to be here forever and then who we think is going to leave, who we think's really saved and then who we think's not, who we think really reads their Bible and who we think does not, who we thinks prays, and then who we thinks is not. And unless you're operating in the spirit of discernment, I promise you, very seldom and very scarce, and on very few occasions do people actually end up correct. Because there's been so many people 
that have been around much longer than I have, there have been so many people that have passed through even this very ministry, Impact Youth Ministry, that have passed through here. And they were an example to the young people. They were a leader to the young people. They were a pillar in the youth group. The way that they worshipped and the way that they carried themselves, the way that they dressed, they never missed a meeting. They never missed a service. They got up and they preached and they actually operated under the anointing. And they were actually used by God, really and genuinely. But some of them aren't here anymore. People didn't think that they would leave, but they're gone. People didn't expect them to leave, but they're gone. People didn't want them to leave, but they're gone. People want them back, but they're gone. People pray for them to come back, but they're gone. People didn't think they'd backslide, but they backslid. Listen, you have to understand, it does not matter who you're related to. It does not matter who your parents are. It does not matter who you're friends with. If you walk in the flesh, you have a capability of backsliding. If you walk in the flesh, you will turn your back and run from God. It ought to bring fear and it ought to bring humility into us. Because if you are capable of sinning, you are capable of walking in the flesh. And if you are capable of walking in the flesh, you are capable of turning your back on church. You're capable of turning your back on the preacher. You're capable of turning your back on salvation. And walking out that door, maybe never to be seen again. And it ought to bring humility to us. It ought to bring revelations to us. That who we think is going to stay might not always stay. And who we think is going to leave might be here forever and live for God wholeheartedly. Samson took of himself a foreign wife. And this Bible says that this, the foreign wife that, that Samson married, <clears throat> he, the Bible says that it was of the Lord. And when you read that, you might think that, that God made him do that, but that's not actually the case. Whenever the Bible says that it was of the Lord, that means Samson was trying to do something for the Lord. Now, it was in the commentary that I studied yesterday in, in the opening chapters of Deuteronomy, God literally predicted this. He said, whenever you guys walk into that land and you walk into that promised land, and he said, he said there's going to be neighboring nations. And he said, nations that are stronger than you. And he said, do not, give your, do not give your sons to their daughters. Do not give your daughters to their sons. Because their sons and their daughters are going to turn yours away from me. And they're going to turn them to idolatry. And they're going to turn them to paganism. And this is, a, this is a prime example. So Samson obviously was violating God's law. And God was not going to make Samson violate his word. So the interpretation of this is Samson was trying to do something for God. But really, he was not doing something for God. Samson thought that he understood what God was expecting from him. Samson thought that he understood the anointing. And Samson thought that he fully grasped the call. He fully understood God's power and God's strength. I heard a preacher the other day that said, Our greatest fear in the church should not be that we don't understand God. It should be that we do understand God. If we come to a place where we feel like we understand the glory of God, the moving of God, the spirit of God. That's why I'm happy to go to a church like this because we, we, yes, we know the scriptures and yes, we know the doctrine and yes, we know the theology. But we always give God room to move. We always say, God, you can, you can clear our agenda. You can clear our pitiful plan. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. 
even you and your foolishness is still wiser than us in our wisdom. Even you and our weakness is still greater than us in our greatest strength. God knows better than we do. God does better than we do. God is stronger than us. God is wiser than us. You will never come to a point in, on this side of heaven where you understand God, where you and God are one and the same. It will not be until you get to heaven that you are made like him, that you become like him. <clears throat> so Samson took for himself a foreign wife and that did not work good for him and that wife actually ended up dying now Samson should have learned from this, this, this relationship and not have gotten involved in another foreign one but he does <clears throat> and so he went to Gaza and that was a stronghold of the Philistines it was a city of the Philistines and there he saw a harlot and the Bible says that he went into her and um, he fornicated, obviously, because it's a harlot. And, and, um, and after that, he, he left. He escaped. He escaped. And he went all the way almost to Hebron, which is miles and miles and miles away. And the Philistines that were there whenever he went to Gaza followed him all the way to the place where he found this woman named Delilah in, I think, the Cynic Valley, something like that. It's some valley that's, that's miles and miles away from Gaza. And wherever Samson went, the enemy always, always, always followed. Wherever you go, the enemy always, always follows. And whenever Samson ended up in Delilah's house, the enemy cornered him there. The enemy found him there. The enemy, Samson, should have gone home. He should have ran back to an Israelite stronghold. He should have ran back to where he was born. He should have ran back to the territory that God had given his people. But he goes to another Philistine city. If you hang around the enemy's people long enough, you're going to get caught and ensnared by the enemy. That's just how it works. If you are a Christian, you do not belong fellowshipping with people that are not Christians around the clock. The enemy did not corner him in God's city, in one of God's territories. The enemy cornered him in Delilah's house. The enemy will not corner you while you're sitting in a pew. He won't corner you while you're listening to preaching. He won't corner you while you're listening to worship music and worshiping God with the saints He'll worship you while you're out with those people. Or he'll, he'll, he'll corner you while you're out with those people that cuss. He'll corner you with the, when you're out with those people who talk dirty. He'll corner you, you when you're out with those people who don't honor God. If you aren't strong enough to set an example for God, then stay away from the people who are not God's people. Because eventually you're going to get caught cussing. Eventually you're going to get caught talking pervertedly. Eventually you're going to get caught Acting just like the rest of them. That's why you need to hang out around God's people. Find yourself a mentor. Find yourself somebody who will train you up in the way that you should go. Find yourself, find yourself somebody who holds this Bible in your face and tells you what it says and tells you why you need to live it. He cornered him while he was in Delilah's house. And Delilah got him to reveal his heart. All of his heart. And she knew it. And she shaved his head. And that was the last vow of the Nazarite vow that had to be broken in order for Samson to lose his blessing, to lose his anointing. And Samson became weak as water. 
Now you ask, does this, does this happen? Does the Spirit of the Lord actually leave you like that? Like, like, like the pop of a balloon? Yes, it does. And it happens to people every single day. It happened to Samson. It happened to Saul. It happens to people all the time. If you are filled with the Holy Ghost and you have spoken in tongues, somebody told me one time that the Holy Ghost never leaves. And yes, God is with you wherever you go. And there are scriptures that prove that. But the actual indwelling filling of the Holy Ghost is not something that's just always going to be there. If you defile him, if you defile his word, he'll leave. He will leave. And he left Samson. And so they bound Samson and they gouged out his eyes. And they took Samson into the temple of Dagon at Gaza. And they wanted to make a mockery of Samson. And so they were going to bring Samson out to, to, um, to, to perform, the Bible says, whatever, whatever that means. And, 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 and they just wanted to, to prove to the people that our God, Dagon, has captured Samson. He's captured our enemy, the enemy that killed us, the enemy that defeated us. Dagon has delivered him into our hands. And Samson's standing there. He says to the, to the child that was leading him, he says, take me to a pillar. Just take me to a pillar. And he leans on that pillar. And Samson does, the, does, does the, the one thing that he should have done all along that he never did. He prayed. He prayed. That is the first record of Samson praying in all of his quote-unquote ministry, in all of his life. That was the first time that the Bible actually records Samson calling out to God in humility. And Samson calls out to God and he says, God help me. God strengthen me, I pray. And he says, just this once, strengthen me one more time. And notice the terminology. Whenever he was with Delilah and the Philistines came upon him and she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. He said, I'm going to go out as other times before. But this time he says, just this once. In other words, he's saying, God, this next time you use me, it's going to be different than all of the other times before. Because this time I recognize that it was never me. It was never my working. It was never my strength. It was never my talents. It was never my abilities. It was never anybody else but you, Lord. It was always you who made me strong. And Samson essentially said, God, without you, I'm weak. God, without you, I'm weak. And I want to preach this message to you guys because I know that there is, there is people out there that will tell you that, that you're something and you've got it, and you're good, and you're strong, and yes, you are special, and you are unique, and God has called you to do great and mighty things. But if you live without God, you shall be weak. And Samson had to learn this lesson the hard way, the hard way that without God, you don't defeat your enemies. Without God, you don't triumph over the enemy. Without God, you shall be defeated. Without God, you shall be lost. And it took Samson such a long time to realize that. But I want you guys to realize it now. Because the enemy will lie to you and tell you that you can get a good job on your own and you might get a good job. Raise a family on your own and you might get a family on your own. Have a marriage on your own and you might have a marriage on your own. Do things on your own and you might do things on your own. But there's this thing that God brings and it's called fullness. It's called abundance. 
And you can have your own thing and you can do your own thing, but it will never be fulfilling. It will never be abundant. It will not bring 100% satisfaction to your soul, to your life, and to your heart. Thanks for listening. If you were blessed or encouraged, go ahead and subscribe to the Impact Podcast and share it with a friend to bless them too. Connect with us on Instagram at ImpactYM. And remember, you can have as much of God as you want.